Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the final buzzer sounds, we're here to wrap it up. Why not? Here's Steph Curry! It's time for Warriors Wrap Up on 95.7. Warriors Wrap Up is presented by Realtor.com, the home for home search. John Dickinson and Matt Kolsky with you. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Warriors lose in Oklahoma City, 120-92. to uh, Matt Kolsky, the Warriors have led for exactly zero seconds in the first two games of this young season. They trailed 35-20 at the end of the first quarter. Believe it or not, the second quarter was actually worse. Uh, bad turnovers, overpassing, the inability to make a shot, and some shaky defense uh, all on display in a game the Warriors would trail by 42 and wind up losing by 28. It's hard to even know what to say about a game like that. And, and sadly, that's two of them like that now. And at least with the opener... The one thing you could say was, that's a really fine-tuned, high-level Clippers team, and the Warriors were not up to it. If the Warriors are this not up to playing teams like the Thunder, we got real problems. Real, real big problems. So, boy, there's a lot to talk about in terms of what was done wrong in that loss. But if you're talking about what to fix, doesn't it just have to be get your crap together? Like, there's no... There's no two keys we can point to where if you cinch up a couple things, you're going to be good. Yeah, it's a scenario where you you look at the Clippers game and you say, okay, well, you scored 122 points, but you gave up 141. So shore up the defense, and maybe you can live in the high, you know, 110 110 to 120 range and and, and maybe be effective, uh, especially if you're facing a lesser opponent. I mean, I'll go back to Warriors Live before the game. Mm -hmm. We laid it out very clearly. If this team's going to struggle to beat the Clippers and maybe the Lakers when they have everybody, like we saw in the preseason, that's one thing. If you're going to get blown out and be non-competitive against Oklahoma City and the Pelicans and the Suns and some of the teams that are coming up this week on the schedule... All of a sudden, it becomes very clear that this Warriors team may not be a lock to be a playoff team. And and, and look, right now, let's just see if they can win a game. Let's yeah. just see if they can get ahead in a game. I mean, this is about as ugly and concerning and, I'll say it, scary a start as, as you could imagine for this team through two games. Yeah. And, and I actually think it was a bigger... Well, it, was, it did turn out to be a bigger loss tonight. It felt uglier for a lot of the Clippers game in some ways because I guess you knew you're looking at a good team, but there were more takeaways from that where you could say, hey, you know, Jacob Evans hit some shots. That wasn't bad. Eric Paschal was good. Thumbs up on him. And I guess Paschal was uh, okay again today. But 
boy, it's hard to find anything from what we just watched to go, all right, let's build on that. I, I don't know what I would point to. I'm not sure there is anything to point to. No. It's just on to the next. So here's the thing, and let me ask you this, because for me, sloppiness, right? I mean, it's easy to see in a game like today, they're a mess. They ended up only with 15 turnovers, but I think 11 of those were in the first half. Almost everybody on the team was turning it over. They're kicking the ball all over the place. And I I asked for very modest shooting performances, 45-35 from uh, field goals and three-point percentage, and you end up at 32 and 15. It was all such a sloppy mess, and, and I would contend that this is a problem they've been dealing with for six years. It's just... Yeah, you're not talented enough to overcome it anymore. Exactly. And it starts with Stephen Curry. And look, I love Steph. I think he's great. I'm not going to be one of these idiots that takes his struggles through two games as proof that he's not actually a worthy MVP or any silliness like that. But he's always been a little loose with the basketball. He's always been a little flashy at times when he doesn't need to be. And when you're the prohibitive favorite, you can be flashy and make some mistakes and still win. When you are on the razor's edge of maybe making the playoffs, you just can't have Steph Curry making risky plays. And he does it in every phase of his game. He makes risky defensive plays that draw silly touch fouls. He makes risky passes. He takes risky jump shots. And I kind of think that it's got to be Steph and Draymond who set an example of we are not a good enough team to play this loose. We got to tighten things up. Yeah, the, the story of this one for me was overpassing early. There there were open shots in rhythm that were there to be had, and the Warriors were just a little unsure where they wanted to go. And, and you couple that with the fact that Oklahoma City came out hot, and they were firing from all cylinders on the perimeter. But the Warriors, it could have been one of those games in the first six, eight minutes where it was back and forth and both teams were scoring and then things kind of settle in and you're in the game and then you figure out what you got to do to win from that point. But there were a number of plays and, and, and Marquise Chris, I thought, found himself in a position a couple of times where he could have just taken the ball in for a layup or a dunk. Yep. And he was kicking it out to Draymond in the corner or looking for somebody else to have the, the ball movement and the flow going. And the ball was finding players in awkward spots on the court and spots where you don't want the, the Warriors to shoot. So it led to, you know, some, a lot of times when you think bad shots, you think quick shots. And in this game, it was it was bad shots almost from too much ball movement. How much of that? And that sort of overpassing into awkwardness, would you put on Steve Kerr? I think, I think it's a, it's bigger than just Steve Kerr, of course, because it's been so ingrained in how the Warriors want to play. Beautiful basketball, and everybody touches it, and anybody can score. Those are the kinds of things that work really well when you have elite level talent and shooters yep. everywhere. Players that can make shots. Uh, maybe the 
greatest backcourt in NBA history in terms of shooting the basketball. Yeah, when you have definitely. that, and then you add maybe the best mid-range shooter of all time in Kevin Durant, who was here for the last three seasons, it, it's only enhanced. So uh, I think it. a lot of it is, and I think this is where the Warriors are still trying to figure out the balance, they have to figure out how much of the old system they want to play with and the old core values they want to play with, and how much do you have to change based on the talent that you now possess and the way you need to succeed with that talent. Right. So to me, and I think what you just said is is right, to me, there's a, there's a line between the core values and the way they've allowed those core values to play out over the last three seasons, right? The core values of share the ball, find the open man, play unselfish, that's all great, and, and, and that stays. That doesn't have to go anywhere. But the way that's been implemented for three seasons, if not four or five, is uh, you guys could probably figure this out. And I'm not saying there was no system. Like, Steve Kerr and, uh, look. No, he, that was the system. But that was basically the system. That was the system. Is we want to pass, but as long as we're sharing the ball and guys are moving to the right spots, I'm pretty sure this is all going to work out. And that's just, that strategy is no longer available to you. There's got to be more stuff. There have to be more sets in my mind that create simple two- or three-man plays that don't require guys to make those extra quick passes over and over and again. And to your point, where the first three options are either D'Angelo Russell getting a shot, Stephen Curry getting a shot, or Draymond Green making a play for somebody else. Exactly. It, 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 you almost have to scheme, in a sense, to have the ball avoid the players that, that aren't scorers at this point. And the Warriors are playing right now in their starting lineup with two scorers, and I would say one elite shooter in Stephen Curry. Yep. It, 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 you know, D'Angelo Russell is a lot of things. He's a scorer, though, not a shooter. Curry is both. Curry is still everything. Agreed. And then you've got Draymond, who can be a playmaker, but you have to put Draymond in positions where he's either getting Chris dunks or layups, or he's getting a corner three for Glenn Robinson the third, or he's getting the ball back to one of those other two guys in position to score, meaning Curry and and D'Angelo Russell. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Let's go to Rich and Los Gatos, and then we're going to hear from Steve Kerr after the Warriors' loss in Oklahoma City, but I definitely want to start with Rich on the phones. You were on Warriors' wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. Hey, thanks for letting me on, guys. Um, I, I think it's horrible if anybody who's a fan like to turn on the Warriors now. So I'm not going to do that. Certainly what they've given the last few years, geez, it's kind of like the Giants. You know, look what they give. But uh, that being said, the mean part of me has to question Bob Myers. I mean, is this whole thing, and I think a few minutes ago you're, you're saying, if I heard right, like it's been going on for years and kind of hidden. And I kind of think that, I mean, of course, take away Durant. I mean, was this whole thing hinging on if Durant came back? Because it seems like it was. So it seems like the plan, basically they thought he was coming back. And that's, no, I, no, I no, he, no, what? no. Hold on, Rich. Here's yeah. the issue. You just can't replace Kevin Durant. Yeah, It's not about whether you thought he was coming back or not. It's just you can't replace him. Well, and here's the other thing, Matt. It, it's not Durant 
to me, it was Clay Thompson being that injured. Too. That's what threw it off. You're right. If Durant leaves and Clay Thompson is healthy, totally different. We're not having this conversation. And D'Angelo Russell's not here. And guess what? And there's no hard cap. And Andre Iguodala is probably here. Yes. And totally agree. And D'Angelo Russell's not here, and they're figuring it out with a lot of the same faces that they've had more of the same faces and a few new pieces. They've too. added someone with the mid-level, probably a younger guy if they could, and that like everything would look so, different. Yeah. But I want to be clear. When I say it's been going on for years, I'm talking about the sloppy play of star players. Even when they were do- so talented, yes. they dominate on nights where they had it. Exactly. And Kevin Durant was a part of that, too, not the solution to that. The people who want to kill Bob Myers, I think it kind of, and no offense to Rich, I just think it kind of displays a lack of understanding of how this league works. Because Bob Myers gets some credit for getting Kevin Durant here. Really, the whole front office and and ownership gets some credit for being willing to spend and then being being able to pull off the execution of it. That being said, really, Kevin Durant gets credit for that. And Bob Myers gets credit for assembling the team that was here before Kevin Durant got here, which, by the way, went to the finals twice and won a title. Bob Myers also gets credit for finding a guy like Kevon Looney, who, frankly, at the spot they drafted him, you shouldn't be able to get a high-quality NBA player. You can't kill Bob Myers for not finding an all-star with the 30th pick of the draft or for not signing a superstar when he's hard-capped and has no ability to do so. Like, you have to recognize the parameters that he's working within and the fact that by doing what they did for the last three years with Kevin Durant, the Warriors put themselves behind the eight ball for the post-Durant era. And and let's be honest here. You know, the Warriors were in a position where their role players – were held up by the the high level high end talent and right. and very often much like your point about sloppiness and turnovers and and and, and careless shots at times them being over you know, talented enough to overcome that frequently uh, there were a lot of games where Curry or Clay or even Durant or Draymond. They would impact the game, and the forty, the forty, the the Warriors would win, and we'd go back after the game, and we would say, "Boy, Leandro Barbosa gave him something tonight. Boy, Mo Spates was so good. Boy," and, and that sort of became its own thing, right? And there was a little bit of revisionist history for how good those players were every single night, and they were good. But they were good in hindsight because the Warriors were winning. If the Warriors weren't winning, some of the lesser players' individual flaws would have been pointed out far more frequently. I love Mo Spates. Love love Mo Spates. Here is what Mo Spates was as a Warrior. This is his whole Warriors career. He averaged 13 minutes a game, shot 46% from the field, which isn't bad if you're a two-guard, but it's not so great if you're six foot ten. Shot 33% from three, but only took, you know, one every two games. And basically didn't contribute as a rebounder or passer. (laughs) Like, that's who Mo Spates is. And I know we remember him fondly because he won. And again, I love Mo Spates. Ton of fun. Mo Spates, not a particularly good player. And I think that's a thing people have forgotten because those teams were so good and they did win. But the strength in numbers stuff... 
it was really strength in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, and then the numbers got to benefit from it. And if this year is going to be good, it's going to be that kind of strength in numbers. It's going to be, man, I didn't know Glenn Robinson could do this, but I guess when you're playing next to Steph Curry, he can. Warriors wrap-up brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search, 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570, Chilton Auto Body text line 95795. The Warriors lose a road opener for the first time since 2013 as the Warriors lose to Oklahoma City 120-92. to Let's go ahead and hear from Steve Kerr uh, after the ball game in Oklahoma City as the Warriors drop to 0 and 2. Are you more concerned from what you've seen by what you've seen offensively or defensively? Or defensively, for sure. Um, offensively, we'll we'll find our way. Um, you know, we've got uh, we've got some talent. Um, you know, obviously with Steph and D'Lo in the backcourt, and and we got some shooters, and you know, we'll uh, we'll find our way offensively. We're we're searching. Uh, as I said, for our identity, so we're we're doing a lot of different things offensively, trying to figure out what what works best. And, um, but it's very different from the past few years. Um, so it's not only an adjustment for the young guys, but it's an adjustment for Steph and Draymond as well. We can't play the exact same way we've been playing, um, and I can't coach the exact same way that I've been coaching. So it's an adjustment period for all of us, but it doesn't happen in. In camp, it has to happen live in games, and uh, and so that's what we're working on. But defensively, uh, you know, that's always the concern. You have to be able to stop people in this league to win games, and we haven't uh, shown the ability to do so, you know, through through the exhibition season and now through two games in the regular season. Steve, with as much success as you guys have had, there's a lot of curiosity of how you guys are going to kind of handle this adversity. Guys like Draymond, that's only ever won throughout his whole life. Steph, how have you seen your guys kind of? handle these lopsided schools it's life you know this is life you just uh, you take your lumps and uh, you know when you win you you uh, you understand that uh, circumstances uh, maybe went in your favor and you enjoy it and you remain humble and then uh, when you lose you uh, assess it and you say all right this is what we got to do to get better and you don't worry about you know any of the other noise that's out there so um, it's you know we've we've been in a great place for number of years now it's a transition and uh, we've got to we've got to work we got to get after it and uh, get better and that's what we're planning to do Steve, knowing that um, you never want to play back-to-backs but after a loss like this are you almost like looking forward to just getting back out there and just saying like let's just try this again i'm looking forward to the modello that's waiting in my uh, my locker and then, uh, and then, yes, I'm looking forward to getting to New, to New Orleans and and playing again. I mean, you know, this, this league is all about turning the page. There's so many games, so I thought we got better. As I said, I thought we got better in the second half. Um, you know, we have to we have to look for our in, incremental improvement and uh, try to build on that. So hopefully, we can do that tomorrow. Thanks, guys. All right, Steve Kerr there, looking forward to the Modelo in his locker. Uh, and uh, a couple other big takeaways, more concerned by the defense than the offense, which yeah. I- I'm more concerned about the offense today because I thought the offense led to bad defense today uh, in part. Uh, and the other big takeaway was him saying, hey, we can't play the exact same way we've been playing, and I can't coach the same way that I've been coaching, something we've already brought up here in the first 10, 15 minutes of this show. I know why I'm going to disagree 
with Steve Kerr about which side of the court he should be more worried about. You don't like Modelo? I, oh, okay, okay, no. I, I love Modelo. Okay. Well, love is a strong word. Modelo's perfectly good. You drink one if somebody put it in front of you right now. I, I, it would be gone if it had been provided during the fourth quarter of that basketball game. That's for sure. Fair enough. <laughs> that's fair enough. I, I, I will tell you why I disagree with Steve Kerr. I'm interested to hear why you do as well. All right. 888-957-9570. That, that's going to be a tease because I want to sneak in Kim in Redwood City uh, here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Kim. Hi. Hi, Kim. How are you? My first, good. You? First time calling. I, I've listened to you guys for years. Welcome. Um, I have a question. Why can't Kerr just run a simple offense? Just, you know, make a couple simple, run a couple simple sets just so the rookies or the second-year guy can learn. And, and you know what I mean? Just run it over and over again or, or something simple. I mean, why does he have to make – we pass too much and it ends up in a non-shooter's hand. That drives me crazy. Thanks, Kim. I, I said this after the opener against the Clippers. I, I think the Warriors may have been fooled a little bit in the preseason and in training camp by some of the basketball acumen that the new players – flashed and, and I mean specifically D'Angelo Russell and Marquise Chris and Glenn Robinson the third is the biggest one to me yeah in, in no particular order but yeah I, I that was mentioned at a couple of different points in in training camp and in the preseason boy these you know what the, these guys are a little more skilled than we thought and I think it led the Warriors down a path of we can run a lot of the same stuff or more of the same stuff that we've run the last few years than maybe they originally thought when they all met for the first time on October the 1st. And I think they're quickly realizing as the games have mattered that it's not the case and they're going to have to tinker with the offense to a point where it's got to be it's got to be more functional in a different way from the way it's been. Yeah, and I I, I got to say I'm almost completely aligned with what Kim said, I think they just got to find some ways to get more simple actions running on the offense because the old concept of run around and pass it around, it's not enough for most of these guys. And and I, I get, look, when Marquise Chris comes in and surprises you with what he's capable of, especially on the passing side, that that's great. I don't know that five preseason games should have changed what you principally planned to do in terms of adjustments. And, and it it does look a little too much like they're trying to do last year's thing with this year's team. 888 It's Warriors wrap-up here on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Matt Kolsky. Warriors drop to 0-2. When was the last time the Warriors started a season 0-2? Oh, boy. We'll tell you coming up here on 95.7 The Game. Now, back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Matt Kolsky, Warriors lose 120-92 in Oklahoma City. The loss snapping a five-game winning streak for the Warriors for their opening road game of the season. Mentioned it earlier, the last time the Warriors dropped their road opener 
was October 31st of 2013. They lost to the Clippers 126 to 115 in Los Angeles. The Thunder today also ended the Warriors' two-game winning streak in Oklahoma City. Uh, the Dubs had won five of the last six in Oklahoma City. Going to be a lot of things like that going down this year. E- exactly. And uh, it, the Warriors also trailed by as many as 42. That's the most an opponent has led the Warriors uh, since the Mavs led the Warriors by 43 in March. It actually, that wasn't that far back. It was an ugly game at Oracle on a Saturday night. Uh, the Mavs led the Warriors surprisingly by 43. They blew them out uh, in Oakland. 126 to 91. 888 Warriors are 0-2. We're going to hear from D'Angelo Russell coming up. We've also got uh, our call of the game coming up later as well. But, but Matt, I, I teased you with this, mm-hmm. and I want you to have an opportunity, we'll, we'll, almost like a little trivia question. All right. all right, here we go. Running through all these nuggets. I did not look it up. The last time the Warriors started the season 0-2, it's been longer than you would think. Do you have a guess? I'm going to go pre-we believe all the way to 2005. That's a really good guess. And and a really good, but maybe I oversold the okay. longer than you think. So it's more like 2010. It's, it's longer than you think, based on it wasn't the Kerr era, right, or even the Mark Jackson era, but okay. not quite the We Believe era. Okay. the The last time the Warriors started the season 0 and 2 was 2009. So exactly yeah. 10 years, 2009, 2010. The Warriors were 0 and 2. They won. Their third game of the season to be so one and two tomorrow should be no problem. That is what you're saying. And uh, yeah, the Warriors <laughs> in New Orleans tomorrow. The back to back, but it's a back to back where they're going to be playing more than 24 hours after the end of the game yeah, in Oklahoma City. Even more than they would have expected after their starters stopped playing in Oklahoma City because that was about the end of the third quarter. Here is the other thing. We teased each other with, that sounds weird, but we did before we went to break. And that is Steve Kerr said he's more worried about defense than offense. We both disagreed. I'll tell you why I disagree, and it's pretty simple. I know the defense isn't going to be great. And I get that Steve Kerr is worried about the defense, and he's going to have to worry about the defense all year and come up with creative ways to patch it together. I get all that. But honestly... If you had told me before the game the Warriors are going to give up 120, I think I would have still picked them to win. I would have thought they had 125. And the fact that they not only didn't have 125, but didn't even have 100, didn't even have 95. And that's with a fourth quarter where the Thunder stopped playing entirely. That's shocking to me. Yeah, for me... It's the offense that's more concerning, and the reason the offense is more concerning is because I think this is a team where bad offense leads leads to worse defense. Totally agree with that too. <laughs> and you know, I also think when you have new players, as many younger players and players from outside the organization, I think morale is going to get down if the offense doesn't look good, and then the effort level may change on the defensive side because it's, it's going to create runs that we're just not used to seeing from those wearing Golden State Warriors jerseys the last six years. And I think in general, inertia is more important this year. Momentum 
is more important this year for the Warriors than it has been the past five because they're so young. And it, it is a lot hard. If you're Kevin Durant, I mean, forget the fact that you're the greatest scorer in the world, but just you've been through the wars. You know what to expect. And if you take a couple punches, you know you're going to be okay and you'll stand in there and keep fighting. It's a lot easier to get demoralized as someone who's never known that kind of success. And heck, as as someone like Marquise Chris, who's barely known anything besides disaster in his short NBA career, like you got to keep these guys engaged all the time. And offense is usually where that starts. But really, the the thing that shocked me about the offense tonight, it's not the overpassing. It's not. Glenn Robinson missing three-pointers, because I, I think we could have expected those things to to a pretty significant degree. It's missed layups. It's guys who who don't seem to be looking for their own scoring ability. That, that stuff, I just didn't expect that. I really didn't. Well, yeah, and you you brought up the shot chart when as we were throwing some things around before yep. before the game started. I got that up here somewhere, and, and it's just I mean they they missed a ton of shots in the paint, yeah. and I thought at halftime they had left ten to fourteen points minimum out there at at halftime. So it, here's here's what I pulled up just because it really was the first half where they lost this game. Glenn Robinson the third, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry. So your four starters besides Marquise Chris tonight in the first half were three for 11 in the paint. And, I mean, look, I know you're not – it feels like you should make 100% of your layups and you're not going to. But three for 11 in the paint, you you were going to lose that game every time. And you're going to have a huge halftime deficit every time if you miss your bunnies. And that's something that, again, part of the issue with a lot of this stuff is it feels new, but it's not new. What it is, it's newly debilitating. It's not new stuff, but the dramatic effect of it is new. And I think that has been really jarring even for guys like Draymond and Steph who have been here succeeding for the last five years. 888-957-9570. We'll hear from D'Angelo Russell coming up. We also still have our call of the game. And there was something I didn't like and we both didn't like about D'Angelo Russell today that we're going to get into coming back as well. It's Warriors Wrap-Up, brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. Warriors wrap-up continues on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Matt Kolsky in our San Francisco studios. Warriors lose to the Thunder, 120-92. to Dubs will be back at it tomorrow right here on 95.7 The Game as they'll take on the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Golden State trying to avoid the 0-3 start. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, is he got ejected in this game and it looked, it looked like an old Don Nelson ejection for, for to go into yeah. the wayback machine a That's little bit. That's exactly what it looked like for Warriors fans. It looked like the I don't want to be here. I don't want to watch this. I don't want to be around my teammates right now. Ejection. I, I thought, and it sounds like we agreed. I thought it was a bad look 
for D'Angelo Russell when you're trying to build some camaraderie and some chemistry with everybody to essentially be so frustrated that you just kind of quit on the day? Yeah, completely on the same page on this. And and I'm I really like D'Angelo Russell. I'm not judging him long term for this, but I'm with you. It's a terrible look because you know that's third quarter. The game was over at that point, but everyone else has to be out here enduring this. He, I thought it was a fair technical. He got hit pretty hard on a, on a drive, and he stood up and he got in James Williams' face, and he got a technical. Great. And I guarantee you that's where it would have stopped if this was a two-point game. But it was a 32-point game, and he stayed in James Williams' face until he got a second technical. And it really... It felt as much like that Don Nelson ejection as any ejection ever has to me. There's no way you do that unconsciously. And I don't see D'Angelo Russell as a guy who flies off the handle and can't control himself. I see that as, I already got one technical. I might as well go take a shower. Our call of the game is coming up in just a moment. Let's go ahead and hear from D'Angelo Russell. A couple of comments post-game. First here, D'Lo on the ejection. I mean, I don't like to come out of character like that. I'm not even the type of dude to, to ever do that or act like I'm that guy. So um, for me to act like that, it had to be something. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't even love that response. No, that is. That... I'll, I'll let you take that one first. But Yeah, I mean, that's the response of a guy who felt like getting tossed. And then, and again, I, I think he did get a bum call. Like there was, I think there was a missed call. And I understand him getting upset. I just don't totally buy the out of character. He didn't look out of control. He looked like a guy who just got a technical and feels like he might as well get a second one. Yeah, this is the time to to make that point because the game's decided and I don't want to be out here anyway. Right. We're all getting embarrassed by the way we're playing so poorly. And by the way, I'm just going to take that shower early. Exactly. And he's at the head of the list if we're talking about playing poorly tonight because he didn't distribute the ball in any meaningful way, and he was 3-for-10 from the field. So, look, (laughs) that is not something that I feel like goes on his permanent record or anything. This is not a huge demerit, but like you said, it's a bad look. And it's something you file away. It is, and it's, it's, if we're right, and it is a measure of frustration, I do think it's telling that we're there in the third quarter of Game 2. Let's get to our call of the game. It's time for the call of the game. Brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. Just gets it away from two Thunder players. Dribbles it up front. Hand off Chris. Goes to the rim and hammered it down with the right hand. Marquise Chris with a dunk. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Majolo and Dibs at 9.30. If you can correctly identify the call we just played, you'll win $50 to Schroeder's Restaurant at 240 Front Street in San Francisco. The call of the game brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. Metro by T-Mobile, that's genius. You know who else I think is going to have that as the call of the game? So much so that, you know, we talk about after a game like this, sometimes you throw out the the video session. Because what are you going to do? Just every single play, tell someone they blew it. But if there's a video session to get you ready for tomorrow, which there won't be. This is all hypothetical, imaginary stuff in my head. But if there was, 
If I was Steve Kerr, it would just be me playing that play for Marquise Chris like a hundred times in a row. And then maybe one version of the six times he could have done that and passed it to the three-point line instead. I can't. Look, Marquise Chris, I get it. You're the new guy. You're young. You're trying to show you belong. You're trying to move the ball like Steve Kerr asks. You're also six foot ten, and we're the biggest guy on the floor whenever Steven Adams wasn't out there tonight. And if you catch the ball in the paint moving towards the basket, I'm going to need you to attempt to score. Yeah, that aggression that he had on that dunk, he probably could have had three or four dunks or layups just like it. And I think he's probably a guy who is thinking pass first right now because they keep complimenting his passing. And I'm sure every coach he had in the NBA before Steve Kerr was telling him to stop shooting. And yeah, and guess what? They need him to score now they because do. they're down scores, and right. he's shown an ability, at least in the way that he was able to dunk the ball there. He can score in that manner, and those plays led to the slow starts. I want to hear one more uh, piece of audio here from D'Angelo Russell just addressing the slow starts as this game, I mean, was over real quickly. Just not putting the ball in the whole one, and then uh, defense isn't, you know, we're not, we're not getting stops to even – help on the offensive end, so I think they just play part, they play hand-to-hand, and just got to clean it up. Clean it up. That's that's the phrase of the day. When, when we hit the air tomorrow, before this New Orleans game, I think the theme of the day is clean it up. Well, and look, I, I don't think it's going to get any easier tomorrow nope. either, because the Pelicans are 0-3, the Thunder came into this thing 0-2, looking for a win, kind of desperate for a win. The Pelicans think they're talented enough to be a playoff team and maybe be one of the teams to take the Warriors' spot That's if right. the Warriors are going to dip out. Even without Zion Williamson, I think top to bottom, the Pelicans are more talented than the Thunder. Yeah, let's let's call this what it was. This was the easiest game until Charlotte. Like, Eastern Conference is a different thing. But the, their first five games are all in the Western Conference. The only really tough game may have been the Clippers, but this was the easiest. And I don't think there's – the way Phoenix has been playing, they're better than this. New Orleans just has a better roster than this Oklahoma City team. San Antonio's clearly better. This was the easiest game of the week, pretty much. And not only did you lose it, you didn't even really compete. Scary times early. It is scary. For the Golden State Warriors as they lose 120 120- to 92 in Oklahoma City to the Thunder. Uh, Matt, we're going to be back uh, on this program tomorrow. Uh, like literally 24 hours. Less, less than 24 hours. We're back with you at 3.30 with Warriors Live tomorrow. The Warriors and the Pelicans, Tim Roy and Jim Barnett, will be on the call for that one. Uh, a 5 o'clock tip right here on 95.7. The game is the Warriors are trying to get their first victory of the season before returning home. And, and look, the Warriors were the last team to play their first game. They were the last team to play their second game. It's going to be coming rapid fire. <laughs> their seventh game, they're going to be right in the pack. <laughs> now what the Warriors play tomorrow, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and next Monday. I bet this is the busiest well. week of the season. It is. It's yeah. the only five five game week of the season, yeah. Sunday to Saturday. That's going to do it for us. Coming up next, uh, Overtime is coming up next from Santa Clara. Bonte Hill and Joe Shasky. Perfect timing. The game is ending right now. Talking 49ers with you. That's next, right here, 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 